This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. Welcome, folks, to the Out Podcast. Big show today. It was around this time last year that we launched the podcast officially. So whether you've been listening since day one or if you've just discovered the show, happy anniversary. And I, for one, Elizabeth, can think of no better way to celebrate the one-year mark of the show than by hitting subscribe and leaving us a review. Uh, that just really helps our show find its way to the ears of new athletes. Joining us for this occasion today is professional triathlete Timothy O'Donnell. Tim is one of the world's most successful and experienced American long course triathletes. In 2019, Tim went on to finish second at the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii, while recording the fastest American finish ever in 7 hours, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. As a professional, he has earned 50-plus podium finishes, including over 22 wins at major events throughout the world. Tim, welcome to the Tried Out Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Also with us is Coach Elizabeth James. Elizabeth is an Ironman certified and USAT Level 2 coach who came to the sport from a soccer background and quickly rose through the triathlon ranks using TriDot, from a beginner to top age grouper to a professional triathlete. She's a Kona and Boston Marathon qualifier who has coached triathletes with TriDot since 2014. Elizabeth, thanks for joining us today. I am thrilled to be here and just so looking forward to today's episode. Well, I'm Andrew, the average triathlete, voice of the people, and the captain of the middle of the pack. As always, we'll roll through our warm-up question and then settle in for our main set conversation with Tim O'Donnell. And then we'll wrap up with a fun little cooldown, learning more about the man behind the uh, incredible Ironman finish times. Lots of good stuff. Let's get to it. Time to warm up. Let's get moving. With so many top brands releasing new running shoes multiple times a year, there has never been more options for what to put on your feet as a triathlete. Tim, Elizabeth, for a little kind of two-part warm-up question today, what is your all-time favorite shoe to run in, and which current shoe on the market today do you think is the best looking? And guys, hey, if it happens to be the same one, you know, so be it. If you end up giving us, you know, kind of a quick shout-out to a couple different shoes, so be it. Um, Tim, first time on the podcast, go ahead and hit us with your shoe thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, I got training and racing. Training the uh, Hoka Rincon 2 has been my absolute favorite training shoe. I resisted the um, the Hoka's with more cushion yeah. for the longest time. And then this year, I just like blew my own mind. So I am uh, converted to the Rincon. Uh, and then uh, racing, it's absolutely the, the Hoka Rocket, uh, Rocket X. Super fast, super light. Um, yeah, just just good stuff. So, so once you gave into the cushion, you, you could definitely feel a difference uh, in the Hoka's from other shoes you've you've used. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, especially as as I've gotten a little older, the uh, extra cushion allows me to um, recover a little bit better and get some more volume in running, which has been nice. Well, Elizabeth, you actually so Elizabeth, I, I'm sure she's going to fangirl about Nike here for a little bit because she is <laughs> a sure. Nike Vaporfly fan, but she did actually win 
at uh, 70.3 Waco last year, she won a pair of uh, Hoka's. And, and Elizabeth, you really enjoyed them, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they're still part of the rotation as well for training. Love them. Well, Elizabeth, what are your uh, favorite all-time shoes and which ones, whether you wear them or not, do you feel are just the best looking? Well, yes, goodness. I mean, you already kind of gave a little a little hint that it would be no surprise that I'd be giving a shout out to those Nike racing shoes. Um, gosh, it's funny because even a few years ago, I didn't own one single pair of Nikes. And now I'd say I do probably about half of my weekly running, rotating through a couple different versions of those. And then I race in Nikes as well. Um, in my most recent race, which was a marathon, I wore the Nike Next Percents, and I'm really excited to say that I'll be racing in the Alpha Flies for for the next event coming up. Um, I mean, thank you, Charles, and thank goodness he can't keep a secret. So I already know that those are in a box waiting for me for race day. <laughs> um, and uh, gosh, well, while I can't wait to race in them, I, I will admit that I don't think that they are the best looking shoe out there. So I'm going to take you up on your on your two part uh, yeah, question yeah, there. The Nikes would be my favorite, but in terms of best looking, uh, there's there's a couple. Um, one of the shoes that I do love the look of is it's the Jordan Zoom T-Runner Ultimates. It's kind of a, a black and gold bulky trainer. Um, I've always liked black shoes. I, I don't know if I would actually wear those for any running, but man, they look super cool. And then one that I would probably run in, and I'm still liking the looks of, um, is the Adidas Ada Zero Pro. And there's just a black-white-pink combination that is right up my alley, in addition to just some really solid shoe construction with the 8.5-millimeter drop, carbon plate, and then they've got the Continental rubber outsole as well. So, um, gosh, I mean, you know me, as soon as we get talking running shoes, I, I could go on, but I, I'd say those would be my, you know, favorite and then best looking. Elizabeth hitting us with the exact specifications. So, so really oh, yes, showing, yeah. really flashing the <laughs> shoe nerd. Um, I, so I know for me, I've, I've recently, the last couple of years fallen in love with the Skechers Razor 3, um, that just my absolute favorite shoe. I'm on like my fifth pair of those. Um, and they just came out with a zebra print, um, edition of this shoe that my wife thinks is the worst looking thing uh, that I've ever put on my feet. I'm, I'm Tim, I'm not allowed to wear them out in public. I can only wear them for runs. Um, so, so definitely not the best looking shoe, but they're, they're kind of wild, kind of loud, but I love running the Skechers Razor 3. Um, and Tim, they've actually been compared to the Hoka Rincon um, as kind of that, that speed shoe that still has a lot of lightweight cushion. Um, so I, I would probably like the Rincons if I gave them a chance from, from what I've heard about them. Um, yeah, give them a shot. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to after this conversation for sure. Um, and and the, the ones I always feel are just so good looking, but I've just, uh, I, on running, you know, they, they, they have the cloud X, the cloud boom, the cloud, a lot of different versions of the cloud name. Um, I always think ons are really cool looking. I have a pair of their kind of casual shoes, uh, that I really like the look of anytime I see a, a, a pro or a buddy, you know, kind of rocking a pair of ons. I just think they're the best looking in the pack. I just really do. So, um, Hey, we're going to throw this question out on social media to the, uh, Trout family. Um, if you're a part of the, I am Trout Facebook group, if you're following us on Instagram, uh, this question will be out there. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, what's your favorite shoe to wear when you run and what is your favorite shoe to look at? Uh, which one are you the most cosmetically attracted to? Uh, you've heard from Tim, Elizabeth and myself. Uh, so go hit us up on social media and find this question and answer it. On to the main set. Going in three, two, one. Our main set today is brought to you by our good friends at UCAN. Here at TriDot, we are huge believers in using UCAN to fuel our training and racing. 
In the crowded field of nutrition companies, what separates UCAN from the pack is the science behind their superstarch, the key ingredient in UCAN products. While most energy powders are filled with sugar or stimulants that cause a spike or crash, UCAN energy powders, powered by superstarch, deliver a steady release of complex carbs to give you stable blood sugar and provide long-lasting energy. UCAN also offers tasty and refreshing hydration mixes and energy bars for when you are on the go. When I was new to UCAN, my first purchase was their perfectly named Tri-Starter Pack. It's the best way to discover what super starch-powered UCAN products are best for you. So head to their website, generationucan.com, and use the code TRIDOT to save 15% on your entire order. With multiple Ironman wins and a recent second-place finish at the World Championships in Kona, there is no doubt Tim O'Donnell is one of the superstars of our sport. On the race course, Tim is a fierce competitor, and off of it, he is one of the friendliest guys in the field. And today, we are excited to talk about his start in the sport, his experiences in Kona, adventures with the family, and what the future holds for T.O. So, Tim, you know, you grew up actually a, a competitive swimmer, you know, which is a sport that took you uh, to the collegiate level, swimming at the United States Naval Academy. Um, what kind of led you to kind of switch gears from collegiate swimming to triathlon? So it was actually my older brother, Thomas, who was uh, a senior my freshman year at the academy. And he had joined the club triathlon team and gotten really into triathlon uh, when he was at the academy. So he actually made me try out my freshman year. Uh, I was on the swim team. I was no, I had no desire to do triathlon. I hated running like in our, the mile and a half, like PT run. That was as long as I ever wanted to run. Um, and that hurt. <laughs> so, uh, but he, uh, as fr uh, if you're familiar with any of the service academies, freshman, uh, you get an order from an upper class and, and you, and you do it right. So he, he, uh, gave me an order to try out for the tri team and uh, I made it. And I didn't take it too seriously until the end of my sophomore year. Um, I was still swimming and uh, I did pretty well at Collegiate Nationals, which back then was in Wildflower. Uh, okay. It was the last year, I think it was at Wildflower. And uh, I finished 11th, I think, overall and first on the academy team. And uh, I hadn't done much biking and running off the swim season. So um, I don't know. I just got intrigued with the sport and I figured it was something that you know, I, I, like I hit a plateau in swimming almost like I, I, I would have gotten faster for sure, but I wasn't going to make Olympic trials or make the Olympic team. So, um, I just got, um, you know, really curious with triathlon and, um, junior year, I went full in on it, got a tri coach, stopped swimming and that's where it all, all really started. Yeah. Well, and obviously it was a great decision that's, that's paid off. So kudos to your older brother for, you know, pushing you in a, in a quality direction. Um, so, so Tim, actually it's, it's great because at the time this episode first airs, um, you know, we'll have just observed veterans day here in the United States. And so as a Naval officer, you know, how encouraging is it to you just to see military members and clubs like team red, white, and blue participating in triathlon? Oh, it's great. I mean, uh, if anybody's familiar with the history of, um, triathlon and, um, particularly Ironman, uh, you know, that, um, John, um, Collins, commander Collins, was kind of like the, you know, almost gave birth to the sport. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of his history with the military and triathlon. And, um, and actually this year is the 10 year anniversary of team red, white, and blue as well. Oh, very um, cool. I remember helping, uh, Mike Irwin, the founder, uh, kind of launch, um, yeah, at uh 70.3 worlds in 2010, which was in Clearwater in November. 
so yeah, it's pretty pretty cool to see such a great organization flourish over the past decade. Awesome. Yes. Um, so kind of as we're talking a little bit about your career here, every professional triathlete's career progresses a little bit differently. Um, could you just kind of walk us through some of the key moments in your progression from a brand new pro to Ironman contender? Yeah, it was, uh, definitely, um, a long journey and I, I, I mean, when I told my parents I was going to become a pro triathlete, they kind of shook their heads. I was the worst <laughs> athlete in the, in our family. I'm, I'm the youngest of four by far the least talented, the least coordinated. Um, but you know, through that, um, I kind of, my work ethic and long, I, you know, I was always a distance swimmer. So I think I developed a really good engine and I love to work. So that kind of was a great foundation for a triathlon. And I excelled in college collegiately because it was non-drafting. And, uh, you know, obviously I had a great swim bike round and riding, uh, had that big engine. So I could translate that quickly, but my running was okay, but it was never great. Fortunately, my coach, uh, when I was at the Academy was involved, um, uh, with USA triathlon. He's part of their development team. And he actually got me into the, uh, a collegiate camp and then subsequently, uh, some under 23 development programs. So I somehow got thrown into this USA triathlon pipeline and I really got to start to work on my running, but still compared to a lot of the other guys that were recruiting, I, I didn't have that, that leg speed. Yeah. So I never really had the full confidence of some of the staff at USAT, um, but I was good enough to still make like the national team and kind of like hang in there. <laughs> so here I was just hanging in there and uh, I missed Olympic trials. I went to Olympic trials in 2008, um, missed the team. I think I finished fifth or sixth. So just, just um, outside of the spot. Just yeah. outside. I actually got stuck. I was in a swim break with like Hunter, Kemper, Andy Potts, maybe Matt Reed. And I got stuck in my wetsuit. <laughs> it's like the, the worst time ever. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, come on. And that's kind of the, my whole ITU career was like that. It just a lot of just I, I don't want to call it bad luck, but I just made a lot of stupid mistakes. Um, I never had great results. I think my best World Cup finish was like 11th. So maybe um, if you were uh, the most coordinated person in your family, not the least coordinated person in your family, uh, some some wetsuit issues might not have happened, huh? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I had another, I had another breakaway and I did an ITU rate or a world cup in, in Australia in Malulaba. And I got in this breakaway of like four or five guys. I'm like, yes, this is it. I'm going to have an amazing <laughs> race. And, uh, I crashed around a roundabout, like right out of transition. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I did not have a, an illustrious ITU career by any means, but I got out of the Navy at the end of 08 and moved to Boulder. And I said, all right, I got this much money. I don't have any sponsors. Uh, I haven't really made prize money racing before, but uh, I'm going to take a stab at this. I can probably survive a year and a half before I have to figure out what I'm actually going to go do in life. Uh, and yeah, uh, my coach at the time, Cliff English, who just really started stepping it up. We were working on my running so much the winter of 09 and the winter of 2010, I was running, you know, 95 mile weeks while still swimming and biking, just really trying to become a better runner. And it paid off that, that first 70.3 in, um, it was new Orleans in 09. Once again, a crazy mishap. I lose all my nutrition coming out of um, T1. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so I get crushed on the bike. And I'm about to give up and be like, all right, this isn't for you. You should go do something else. And then I made this decision like, all right, just stop feeling sorry for yourself. You have an opportunity here to have a really great run. So just focus on that. Who cares about the race? Like, Show your run fitness that you've been working on. 
And I just did that. I did just that. I had the fastest run of the day. I ran onto the podium. I think it was um, Brett McMahon and Macca were the other two on the podium. But, you know, I outran those guys and it gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. And then a couple months later, I won my first 70.3 at St. Croix and uh, I was off and running. Uh, Very but, literally. No, yeah. no pun intended. <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But I, it was weird because I'm in this transition time, right, where my foot's still half in the door with USAT because it wasn't until 2009 where my running started to click. You know, I was running, you know, um, 30s off the bike and, and IT races on the podium at U.S. Um, Nationals and on the podium at uh, the Pan Am Champs for, you know, in IT racing and also winning these 70.3. So I'm like, oh, you know, I could probably make the Olympic team right now. I'm not going to win a medal, but I could my dream was to be an Olympian. I could probably be an Olympian. Um, but at the same time, I'm having this success and a possible career in Ironman yeah. racing with 70.3s and I'm making money and I'm, and I'm getting the attention of sponsors. Uh, so it was, it was tough call in 09 and 10 until I met Rennie and I went to Hawaii and watched to do Hawaii. Up to that point, I had no desire to do Ironman racing. And I just going to the finish line at midnight, watching her finish, um, you know, finished second that first year. I'm like, this is amazing. This is where I want to be. And, uh, it was kind of, it was then that I really made the transition in 2010. After she won, I went to a world cup in Ishigaki, not Ishigaki, sorry. Um, Tongyong, South Korea. And it was in this little fishing village, you know, I'm at the start line. It just smells like dead fish. <laughs> That's what you want. <laughs> yeah. Right. And there's like 20 people watching. And I just come off of this incredible high of watching Rini win a, the Ironman world championship. And I just, before well, I'm standing on the startling, I'm like, this is it. I'm done. I'm not, I want to go do Kona. Like, I think I, I think I can have a shot at winning that race. I, I think I can be really good at that. Um, I don't want to do this anymore. So that was my last IT race, uh, October of 2010. And that, and then 2011, I did my first Ironman. Yeah. So, so you actually, you know, to kind of move your career forward a little bit, you actually DNF'd, you know, your first attempt at the Ironman World Championships in 2011, you know, so, so you were inspired to do it watching Rennie win. And then, then you, you know, you go and in your first crack at it, you DNF. And, and since then though, you've gone on to play second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, I mean, just about every spot in the top 10, right? Uh, you know, you, you, you've been the top American finisher. There's one I need. There's one important one. Yeah. I need. One, one very crucial one uh, that we would love to see you get. Um, you've been a top American finisher four times, you know, and there's obviously some great American peers every single year um, there with you. Um, so kind of talk to us about what have you learned about racing Kona over the years that has helped you just have such consistent success on the big island? Yeah, uh, Kona is such a different animal. And I'll tell you right away, I was overconfident in 2011. Um, you know, I had I had a great debut at Ironman Texas, uh, finished second behind Aneko um, Janos, who, you know, I think it was, if it wasn't that 2010, maybe he was second in Kona uh, somewhere around that time. Um, and, you know, I caught him on the run and then he dropped me the last couple miles. But, you know, I think I went 809 and at the time, you know, a lot of guys weren't breaking eight hours. Yeah. wasn't as common as it was now. So it was a great, great performance. And, uh, I just, I think I was a little overconfident. Um, and I was too skinny in 2011. So, um, I ended up getting sick before the race and, uh, just having a horrible day. And I remember now my now coach, Julie Dibbins actually passed me, um, going up to Javi, which was a little <laughs> humbling. And, uh, she, she still, uh, gives me some, uh, some heat about that, but, 
I, you know, I really learned that patience and, and being humble are very important, particularly with that race. And you can't go in there all um, full of fire like it's an IT race. You have to be calm, very much like Mark Allen. You know, you have to be um, kind of at peace and in, in within yourself and be ready to to go somewhere that most people don't want to go um, internally. Uh, so, yeah, it was a huge learning curve for me. And after that DNF, I, yeah, it really um, it was a good reset button for me. And I actually had a torn. I tore my MCL in 2000. The next year in 2012. Uh, I didn't run three weeks going into Kona and I was just so st- like pigheaded, super stubborn that I, I'm going to finish this race because uh-huh. I'm not dropping out twice. And, uh, you know, got me at, at my first top 10, which was pretty cool. Well, and that's not the only time that you've um, ventured into Kona with some injuries. I mean, goodness, headed into yeah. <laughs> 2019, you had a few bumps along the way there too. Gosh, some some broken ribs in March um, impacted your season early on. And then seven weeks, just seven weeks before Kona, um, you had broken your foot. I mean, how did that impact your training and kind of your mindset leading into that event? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... As I look back over the last well, I don't know, nine, I guess nine races there, the years that I was in the best shape were my my worst performances. Wow. Hmm. Um, 2017, 2014, I was in amazing shape, and part of that is your when you're in really good shape. I think you you get this confidence that like, okay, I am going to do well. I'm in such good shape, and whatever the training you do, the fitness that you get going into a race, it does not guarantee a good result. It gives you the opportunity. It opens an, it opens a door for a good result, but you sure as heck got to do it on race day. And uh, I think it it shows how much it's not just a physical game; it's a mental game, and being in the right headspace to to hurt yourself and be fresh on race day. So last year, um, I had this weird kind of like just I was at peace. Um, I was after having a great race in 18, um, it wasn't my best finish, but it was my fastest performance and, and just a really great performance all around. And the winner always comes from the top four guys historically from the year before in Kona. So I'm like, all right, I'm in a really good spot. And, uh, when I broke my foot and, and thought I was not going to be able to start, I was crushed. And that night I uh, went and got an MRI and the guy's like the tech wasn't supposed to say anything, but he's like, Oh yeah, that foot is super broken. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're not the doctor. You're not I see a lot of that. feet and that foot is, <laughs> right, is like, no that good. is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> it does not take a, um, an MD degree to figure this one out. It is broken. <laughs> so uh, I went home and I'm like, okay, I got a really nice bottle of wine. I drank it by myself on the go. couch. Yep. And uh, I'm like, okay, you have, this is your, you got one night of a pity party. And then tomorrow you're going to figure out your best path forward and you're not going to focus on things that are out of your control. The fact that I couldn't run right at that point was out of my control. So I focused on, um, you know, swimming and um, keeping my body in, um, you know, loose with body work and things like that. And then when I could, I focused on riding and becoming the best rider I could, um, especially since I couldn't run, you know, I could focus more on that. And it just kind of took some pressure off me, to be honest. And um, when I got to Kona, I just was filled with so much gratitude that I was able to participate in this race. And I'd only run outside maybe four times before the race that couple days leading in. So I was still 
and the longest one was maybe seven miles. So I was still not, I was hesitant, but I was happy and full of gratitude that I could be there. I mean, I want to go back and touch on, uh-huh. you know, two things there with just controlling what you can control and then really that attitude of gratitude and being appreciative for the opportunity to race and show up. I mean, those are things that we've talked about before. And gosh, I mean, you just said that so well. So I'm I'm really glad that you shared that. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I think when it's it, it's such a mental burden and um, it's so emotionally draining when you focus on the negatives, right? Um, so you just kind of move forward and, and yeah, and just keep everything in perspective at the same time too. I I think we also assume, you know, when when you look at the pros, you know, you you look at the coverage, you look at, you know, just, just the times and the results and, you know, as your average triathlete, you, you kind of have this notion that, oh, you know, you guys always roll into, you know, the, the, the big races, just top of your fitness, ready to rock and roll, ready to crush it. You've got your training done to a science, you've got your coaching staff, you've got, you know, everything figured out. And, and so to hear you talk about, Hey, there, there, there's been years where I wasn't in tip top shape that I did really well. And there's years that I was in top shape and I, I didn't do as well. And, and, you know, for, for your average athlete, just, just to be reminded, Hey, when, when you roll into race day, you know, you've, you've got the fitness that, that you've got, you know, you can't change that, you know, do, do the best you can with what you've got and don't worry yeah. about the rest. Don't worry about whether it's a PR or not, just do the best you can and, and, and see what the results come out as. So, um, right. And I think it follows you into your racing as well. If you already have that mindset, because inevitably, particularly in an Ironman, things will go wrong yep. <laughs> and you need to be ready. You need to be ready to say, okay, well that sucks. Just, I just lost my water bottle or whatever uh-huh. it is with all my nutrition, but you know, all right, well, how am I going to fix it? You know, what's my solution? So I, I just kind of want to take a minute Tim, and just kind of walk through that 2019 race where you got second, because he, so here's the thing. I watch the Kona coverage every year, like, like wire to wire from the time it starts to the time, whatever I'm doing during the day, if I'm on a trainer ride, if I'm doing chores around the house, it's just on in the background, right? Like, you know, we're, we're glued to it. So, so watching the coverage, I mean, you can kind of see, okay, you know, Tim's in second on, on the bike, you know, he's got Jan in front of him, he's got this person behind him and, and, and we can kind of see the storylines playing out in real time. And, and I've always just kind of wondered, like, what, what are you guys aware of? out there on course while, while you're racing, what, what, what are you, what, what's the strategy? You know, what are you trying to do? What, what are the kind of gamesmanship, you know, but between competitors at different moments of the race. And, uh, I, I think as at your, most of your age groupers, you know, you're just kind of going eight station to eight station, right. And you're just trying to stay, you know, hit your paces, you know, stay within your wattage, you know, finish the race. You know, I, I'm never actively racing anybody at a triathlon event, maybe, maybe a local sprint or something, but um, so, so I just kind of want to walk through just the different splits of your race there in 2019 and just kind of get in your head and, and kind of hear what was your strategy? What was going on around you? What were you aware of? Um, if that makes sense. So, um, let, let's kind of start maybe with race morning. Um, you know, talk to us about, you know, how, how did you feel, you know, preparing for the start and, and you, you talked about being grateful to be there, um, in that moment of gratitude, did you kind of have this sense that it could be a special day for you? I did actually, um, I, and I don't know why, but even even when I was training with the broken foot, we were in Lawrence, Kansas. I had this like weird like feeling, like just a good feeling. And uh, my most of my family came out. Like I said, I'm the youngest of four. Um, my brother Thomas, who had gotten me into triathlon, and my sister came out, and my parents came out. And it's significant. My parents being there, they only came once. They came in 2011 when I DNF'd. And they didn't come back. They thought, I don't know if they thought they were bad luck or they just didn't <laughs> want to see me go through a hardship like that. But um, 
I, I got him back, you know? So <laughs> it was just this kind of like good feeling like I was supported and, um, and I'd said to everybody, I'm like, Hey, I don't even know if I'm going to finish. So if you guys want to come, like you're just coming to, to, to be, you know, to be supportive and be part of this and, and hang out in um, Hawaii afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and hang out. Yeah. yeah. And we had an awesome week of vacation afterwards. So everybody wins. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So even, you know, we always, uh, kind of hang out by the pool at the King cam before uh, the race and kind of you have your team around you. And, um, it was actually very similar prep as every year. I, I kind of get my little routine and, um, it makes it easy, you know, um, uh, well, keeps the stress low and you just kind of do everything you normally do. And I've always said that one year there's going to be a swim break in Kona that never gets caught. And it just had, it never came to fruition in the years past. And, you know, we got out of the water. I was in a great position. I felt super comfortable all day swimming. Um, and it was maybe like seven or eight of us. And, and Patrick Long was there too. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's raining, it's drizzling right now. It's not normal Kona. Patrick has made this group of like eight or nine guys. Like this is going to be a super interesting race. Allie's here. He loves the rain. Um, and then it cleared up. Uh, I think Patrick maybe swam a little bit hard and he got disconnected along with some other great athletes like Braden Curry. So kind of scratched my head what's going on. Yeah. But by the time we get to the Queen K, there's only five of us. Um, and we're all really, really strong cyclists. And I just got super excited because at that point and it was like, it was you it was Jan, it was uh so back, Allie. Yeah, alistair brownlee um, um Braden, josh amberger josh amberger because he's a fantastic swimmer obviously yep. known for that and biker yeah yeah uh and then um i think there was another european i think it might have been maurice clavel yeah that feels right mm -hmm. uh so i'm like this is awesome like all right like don't screw this up to you uh <laughs> <laughs> you know like you're where you need to be like who cares how you run? Like, this is where you're supposed to be. Uh, yeah. By the time I felt great going up to Javi too on the climb, which is, um, and I think because we had a small group and we all had the same goal, we're like, you know, we're almost allies at this point. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, there's five of us here. We're great riders. Let's all be smart. Let's all do some work and let's keep the other guys behind us, you know, cause you know, you have, uh, actually not Lionel, uh, Sebi and, um, I don't know if Lionel raced last year. Did he race? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he did. Okay. And then, um, uh, Cam Worth as well. Right. Ben Hoffman, great cyclist. Uh, so, you know, Joe Skipper, you know, you have all this firepower behind you and we were getting splits and we were almost holding even around that three minute mark. And, uh, by the time we got down to the bottom of, uh, Javi and, um, you know, went through Kwai High back onto the Queen K, there was only me, Ali and, and Jan. And then I'm like, all right, and we were still holding our gap. That's uh, pretty, okay. pretty good company. Yeah. To be in. Good spot. yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. That's what I said after the race. I'm like, there are three Olympic gold medals in this group and none of them are mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and so with Alistair being right there, cause, cause it was his first year in Kona, you know, did, did you guys have any idea of kind of what he might be capable? I mean, you, you know what Jan is capable of, you know, what, what was it like kind of being yeah. right there between, you know, a, a defending champion and then kind of the new kid on the block? Yeah. I mean, with Jan, uh, he was, you know, Joe cool all day. And you could tell that he was in, you could tell he was going to have an amazing race. Um, and like we said, hey, some, some stuff you can't control. If Jan does what he did, then yeah. Hats <laughs> off, right. <laughs> and, uh, Allie, actually he was getting, um, like pretty fiery coming up a Kauai high and, you know, yelling and swearing and, um, he was fired up and <laughs> I just started laughing cause I've been there before uh -huh. and I'm like, that's not where you want to be. And when Jan got away, um, 
when I think it was um, around the cemetery on the way back, around 90 miles or so, Jan kind of got uh, got a little gap. Allie went, Allie like sprinted to try to catch him. And I just said, nope, yeah. like, this is my race right now. Um, I'll go let Jan do what he's going to do. I'm super comfortable riding within myself these last 20 miles and, you know, setting myself up for a strong day. And yeah, eventually around on a little over a hundred miles, I, I rode back by Allie. And then I think I put maybe 90 minutes, 90 seconds, two minutes into him. Uh, so, you know, I, I, a lot of it comes down to experience. And I knew um, once I could like get on back onto the Queen K, I always, you know, feel good about the fact that I know how to race this part of the race. Yeah. And yeah, just, you know, stayed calm and, and did my thing. Yeah, and, and the run was almost, you know, just just anticlimactic in the sense that, you know, you started with Jan in front of you. You had Sebastian Keenley, Alistair Brownlee, uh, you know, short yep. shortly behind you. And that's that's kind of how it stayed. Um, you know, what, what was kind of going through your mind during those th- those miles? Was there ever a point you you were tempted to try to catch Jan or uh, did, did you feel pressure from the guys behind you or were you just kind of comfortable within yourself and cruised to second? Yeah, I, um, I knew at some point if you want to win like you got to make a move like that right on Jan um but with the position I was coming into with the, the little running I had I I I couldn't make that I couldn't make that bet you know take that risk because I I already didn't know how the back half of that marathon was going to go yeah. so I made a decision it really wasn't even a decision I'm like no like be smart run your race and if Jan screws something up right now, you will be there to pick up the pieces. But this is not your day to go try to play superhero. And, you know, I would have had a run sub 240 to catch him anyways, right? Yeah. So um, as a guy that, you know, in Hawaii, I hadn't broken 250 at that point. So um, you got to have a little bit of realism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I hit, I remember actually hitting T2 and I got off my bike in those first steps when I hit the pier. My legs actually felt really good. And I was like, oh, wow, like that's a bonus. Usually I get off, I'm tight, you know, like you, your back's all tight and you're like, oh, this is going to be a long day. But I kind of, you know, kind of sprang through transition and uh, I saw the race clock as I was starting the run and it said two, I think it said what, five, um, five, ten something. And I'm like, oh, right. I can, I'm like, wow, I, I could break eight hours yeah. today if I run under 250. And then I'm like, okay, we'll get to work. And I just put that out of my head um, and just focused on, on what I needed to do. And I, I didn't worry too much. I was getting splits at Sebi. We were holding like 230, uh, about a 230 gap the entire run. And I didn't worry about that. I just did my thing. Uh, and then I saw him coming out of the energy lab and I'm like, all right, I actually, I don't, he doesn't look that great. You know, just be smart and, um, you know, you, you hold on to this position. I didn't realize Ben was running so fast either <laughs> behind him. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was flying. And he crossed the finish line fourth, and I was just like, Where did you where, come yeah, from? Yeah, hang on. Ben, where'd what? you come from? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. He was moving, that's for sure. Oh. Yeah. Well, and I I just love there it, there's a picture of you approaching the finish line where you are, I mean, mid stride, mouth open with joy, both arms overhead, proudly carrying the American flag to that sub eight hour second place finish at Kona. I mean, take us into your head there. You know, what's in your mind coming down the red carpet? What, what emotions are you feeling at that point? Yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. Um, 
I feel like that was the first year I really enjoyed the finish line. Either I had a bad race, uh, so it wasn't that fun, or I had a good race, but I was just so far gone. Like I just had gone so deep that I couldn't even muster muster up the energy to to soak it up. It was more just like get to the finish line, don't fall over, get to the finish line, like yeah, <laughs> stay upright. So yeah. I relate. Yeah, I relate exactly. to that. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, to be, to, I mean, to know my family is going to be there and, you know, selfishly, you know, obviously Marini had a tough day. She, she DNF'd, uh, she actually was on, she was biking back in the queen on the queen K she saw me running out and, uh, she saw Jan and she's like, Oh, I hope like, I hope, you know, Tim's next. I hope Tim's next. And then she saw me and, uh, wow, that's <laughs> she just cool. threw her bike in the lava rock and just, and just like, no, I'm, I'm here for him right now. Wow, so that's really cool. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, as I was running back in, she's like, you got this relax, like, you know, enjoy the victory. I'll see at the finish or enjoy the race. I'll see at the finish line. And then somebody randomly was like, Hey, if you run like this pace on your last K, you'll, you'll, uh, break eight hours. And I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. And then <laughs> that I'm thinking, nice. uh, Oh yeah. I'm like, Rennie's trying to slow me down. So I don't get her, uh, the family run course record. That's <laughs> funny. So yeah, running down the chute, um, you know, uh, it was just awesome. Then I saw the clock. I'm like, Oh man, I can do it. And just was trying to be smart. Um, you know, get the flag around me and, and still get under eight hours. And, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. So you shared the podium with Jan Ferdino, Sebastian Keenle, you know, two guys that along with yourself have, you know, been contenders for, for a good minute now. Um, and over your career, you know, you've raced closely with Patrick Langa, Cam Wharf, Lionel Sanders, Andy Potts, Matt Russell, Ben Hoffman, Joe Skipper, you know, several of the guys that, that you, you mentioned. I, I still vividly remember, you know, kind of in 2018, you know, just you running stride for stride with Braden Curry uh, before you yeah. finally pulled away to a fourth place finish um, that, that you joked sent you to the med tent uh, just, just to get fourth. So kind of what is it like being a part of just this stellar group of pro men uh, that are in the sport right now? And kind of what's the vibe like between you guys on race weekends? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, everybody's, um, it's a great group of guys, right? There's not a lot of jerks in triathlon. There are a few. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't make you name them. We won't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, everybody is very respectful of each other and, um, you know, we all know what it takes to, to do what we do. And, um, you know, some guys are different than others, particularly race week. Everybody's usually cordial, but you're not, um, you're not hanging out and having dinner with a lot of people. Um, but then after the race, you know, you kind of, well, however the race went, you're, you got, you're still friends yeah, and yeah, you go yeah. grab, grab a drink at the post-race party together. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Andrew and I were, you know, joking a little bit ahead of this recording here that while we maybe don't have a lot of things that we can say are in common about our triathlon P- particularly racing, me. Particularly and, me. yes, our, our, our finish times, we can say that we all have our use of you can in common. Um, so I, I did want to, you know, take the moment and kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, cause I know that all three of us use that pretty regularly. Um, what is it that you would say, you know, was important for you using you can on race day that was pivotal and a big part of that Krona success last year? Yeah. Um, for me, I, uh, I was kind of open in the nutrition category going into 18 or going into 19. And I knew my biggest, um, failure in Kona was the back half of the marathon. And usually I'm running great for 10, 11, 12 miles. And then, but you know, once I'm on that queen K, you know, I just start to lose gas and my heart rate's not, 
you know, I'm not going, it's not a crazy heart rate or anything. It's just, you know, running low on fuel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just out of energy. Of, you know, just, yeah, you peter out. So in 19, I made it, I, I'm like, all right, I, I'm, I have this clean slate here, right? I can do whatever I want for nutrition. I, I'm not tied to a brand because they're paying me. Um, so let's just not worry about a sponsor and let's just find something that works. And, um, you know, that's when I started chatting with Matt Bach at UCAN and, um, good, then guy, I met Matt Bach, good guy. Yeah. Great mm-hmm. guy. I mean, the whole family, it's a family over there. They're so great. And, um, you know, a show, but the CEO, um, came out and, um, one of the founders, uh, came out and chatted with me. And once I really learned the process behind it, um, it made a lot more sense for me to give it to how to use it and how to try it. Cause you know, you, usually someone will try, you can once and be like, I don't get it. Yeah. But once you start using it routinely, you understand and you realize that you're getting that constant kind of like slow drip of, of, um, of, you know, energy from that super starch. And that was a huge part of my run. I mean, I, I don't think I faltered on that run that day. Um, even with <laughs> legs that didn't have that much fitness <laughs> in them. Um, and the last couple miles, you know, Sebi was running faster because Ben was catching Sebi. I thought Sebi was catching me. I, I didn't realize she's just running from Ben. <laughs> so I saw Julie and I'm like, is he really, is he really only like whatever this is down? Like, did he just put a minute into me? She's like, yep. And uh, I'm like, okay, I guess I got to run faster. And then I was able to pick it up again, those last couple miles. And usually that last 10 K is an absolute death march. So, uh, I'm, you know, obviously super excited to be part of the, the UCAN team and, and to have something that, that I trust as a product and not just as a sponsor, um, you know, as p- you know, part of my routine. Yeah. I, I, I started trying it. So Tim, I, I have not done a full Ironman yet. I've done a bunch of halves. Um, and so Ironman Texas, uh, something that you and I will also have in common. My first Ironman was supposed to be Ironman Texas, um, this past year. And that obviously got, got pushed a year. Um, but, but I, I mean, just like you described, I mean, and, and kind of once I started hitting those longer training sessions, right. Where, you know, you're, yep. you're, you're riding multiple, you know, three, four hours and then running off the bike. And, and I mean, those used to just absolutely just destroy me. I mean, I, I would get to the run and just feel exhausted. And, you know, a couple of times, you know, using, you can taking a serving per hour, uh, I would get off the bike and be like, I, I feel great. Like I, I had my legs yeah. under me, I had energy and, and I wasn't hungry. Um, so yeah, just when I hit those, like, I'm pretty I'd, sure I distinctly remember you texting me being like, I think this is yeah, magic. Like I, like- <laughs> I, I bought in so quick and, and I, um, so Tim, I, I use the unflavored you can, and then I add the, um, the, the hydrate, uh, for the yep. flavor. And I, I actually prefer that to any of the flavors they have. Uh, not that they're bad, but I just, it's just really refreshing to me that way. Elizabeth yeah, yeah. is a massive fan of the lemon you can, uh, what are your go-to, uh, products that, that you like to use for them? Yeah. Um, so in training, I will, um, if I'm doing, doing aerobic training, I'll usually do lemon or, or orange. Um, and that's it. Right. Um, racing, I'll mix plain with like, um, a high glycemic carb, um, just because I burn so much energy. Um, and then honestly, I eat a lot of the bars (laughs) and I'll (laughs) do the the almond butter bars. Yep. Yeah. And then I'll do the, the cookies and cream, um, usually with uh, like almond milk or like Oatly or oat milk uh, in between hard sessions. So like, okay, Tuesday morning, like hard run, literally I get up a bar and coffee, hard run, and then cookies and cream um, in my shaker with almond milk or oat milk, and then uh, a hard swim. And then 
I sometimes I'll have another bar before gym <laughs> and then I'll come home and have lunch, you know? So it's uh yeah, it's a sizable part of my training regimen for sure. Well, you're making me feel a little bit better about how many other bars that I eat too. I was yeah. like, okay, man, I got through these pretty quickly. And I just, like, uh, again, another shipment. <laughs> so I use, I usually put like almond butter or peanut butter on the chocolate bars and it's like a amazing snack. And, but now, and then, uh, you can just came out with the almond butter. Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah. Saw that haven't, haven't tried it yet. Yeah. So it's good. Yep. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's uh, like super, the texture is great. Uh, and that's what I always tell people when you're, they're trying, you can, it's a different texture. You have to make an adjustment to it, but just like me and Kona, if you're trying something that's the same as all the other stuff, it's going to give you the same result, right? So yeah. If you want a different result, you have to try something different. And that's been the major driver for me to kind of, um, that was a driver for me to start incorporating into it, into my routine. And once it's in your routine and you see the benefits and you see how you feel and how well you're training, then it's a no brainer. Uh, but you got, you have to be patient much like an Ironman. You have to be patient. So, so we, we've referenced a couple of times, uh, on the episode, your, your wife, uh, Miranda Carfrey, um, you know, which the tri world knows her as Rennie. Um, you know, so kind of just, how did you two meet? Like, how did you two fall in love? Like how, how did give, give us the love story of, uh, of, <laughs> of, of, of Tim and Rennie? So, um, yeah, uh, I had moved to Boulder at, at the beginning of 09. I got out of the Navy. I was single. Um, and I had met, we had, Rennie and I had met in passing, um, at a couple races. We met at, um, at the med tent at Buffalo Lake Springs. Um, oh yes, in 08. Uh-huh. and then yep, everyone goes to the med. <laughs> yes, that race is Springs. brutal. Yeah, <laughs> and then oh, we um, we met in passing as well at Clearwater at seventy point three worlds at the end of 08. But uh, it wasn't until St. Anthony's in '09 uh, I was chatting with a friend of a mutual friend of ours, and Brittany always, would always come to Boulder to train, kind of from from May uh, end of May to you know Kona or whatever she's doing Clearwater, and she's like. Tim, I have somebody, when we get home, I have somebody I have to introduce you to. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. Um, and then the next weekend I go to St. Croix and I meet Rennie, um, who was our friend was talking about obviously meeting Rennie. And uh, we met at um, the, a pre-race um, pasta party. And uh, we were sitting at a, kind of a table together and I had this big like fudge brownie and everybody else was like eating salad and being, you know, skinny triathletes or whatever good and good for you I am just like good going, for you yeah just like down into <laughs> chocolate brownie and uh Rennie bonked she was winning that race and she bonked and, and someone passed her on the run which Rennie getting passed on the run doesn't happen very often right no. and I ended up winning the race um that was my first win as a professional and so at the post-race party I kind of joked to her that if she had had one of those brownies she wouldn't have bonked <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah we came we came back to Boulder and just started dating Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's fun to hear, hear some of those stories. Um, cause truly, I mean, your wife is also triathlon royalty. I mean, three time <laughs> Kona champ and so many Ironman titles and podiums on her resume. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to just kind of hear, you know, what is one thing that you've learned as an athlete from watching Rennie navigate her own championship caliber career? Uh, I mean, uh, we could probably be here all day. Um, you know, she's, she's a consummate professional. Absolutely. Uh, her focus, like she, she gets very focused and she doesn't doubt, she doesn't doubt her process, her team. Um, 
she just shuts her brain off and does the work, gets ready, and then races, uh, which is hard for a lot of us to do. So I definitely learned a lot about that and um, a lot about having the right people around you. And I mean, it's we have very different racing styles. Um, You know, I'm racing from the front out of the swim and she's playing catch up and racing from there's nothing harder than racing from the back. Like mentally, like, you know, every time you race that you have to catch up, you know, that you're at a deficit. So um, just the tenacity I know that that takes, it's, it's always been inspiring for me. So Tim, April 4th, 2020, uh, the trip heard around the triathlon world earned you and Rennie kind of some, some widespread, well-deserved media attention. Um, she was riding in second place, uh, during one of Ironman's virtual races, uh, until you accidentally <laughs> tripped over the power cord and unplugged her smart trainer, Tim, what happened? I saved her is what happened. <laughs> those, <laughs> those races were so painful. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, I had her trophies and I was just, you know, going behind her to like, um, you know, give her some motivation and maybe to, um, to give the other, other, the other ladies yeah, a little hard time, uh, let, uh-huh. let them know what they're up against. And, uh, yeah, I just kicked the cord out of the wall by accident. but we honestly we got so much attention for that it was insane i mean we're on jimmy we're in jimmy fallon's dialogue uh, yeah which rennie is like how come this has got more press than when i won anything else i've ever done (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) we're on npr and it's crazy so for folks who uh kind of want to see more of tim and rennie in training uh they're in luck because you guys have the tim and rennie show um, and as a media guy, Tim, who, who's just a fan of you both, um, it is just must-watch content on y'all's YouTube channel. You guys do a great job. Thank you. Um, what, what kind of sparked the idea for the show, and what's it been like kind of opening up your life uh, for your fans? Yeah, we we knew that we just it's, – it's a changing scene, right? Um, you know, Rennie and I joke that we signed up to be professional athletes, and now we're just social influencers. Um, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, you know uh, – got to go with the times. Right. So absolutely. Uh, yeah. we kind of saw the writing on the wall a couple of years ago that we needed to have a bigger presence, um, and another way to connect with our audience. So yeah, we, we knew we wanted to do something, um, with a YouTube show and then, um, Talbot Cox, who was a friend of ours reached out and he's like, well, I'm, you know, why don't I come do it for you? I'm, I'm doing Lionel and, um, Gwen at the time I'm doing yeah. their shows. Um, so, you know, why don't I come out and, and make it happen? So yeah, we kind of went, went, went from there. Nice natural fit. Yeah. He, he does great work. I, I've, I've watched his stuff. I follow him um, on Instagram as well. Um, he's an Oklahoma boy. So just a state away from us. Yep. Uh, but I, I always enjoy seeing kind of his, his shenanigans of what he's up to shoot, shooting with you guys. So, <laughs> um, keep, keep the content coming there, Tim. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And we did a fun, um, you know, the, the Tim and Rooney show, it's our focus really is not just sport, but kind of the lifestyle and our family around the sport. Uh, but we did a fun little kind of almost mini series about Kona. Um, so if you want to hop on and check that out, it's just Randy and I telling stories that, um, don't just, you know, don't come up very often. So yeah, different, a little different spin on, uh, the Hawaii experience. 
Well, and I like what you said too, that, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that you guys talk about and cover and it's not just training. I mean, you incorporate a lot of things with, with family in there as well. And I mean, your daughter, daughter Izzy is quite a highlight of the show. And, um, I mean, you and Rainey have announced that baby number two is on the way as well. So first off, congratulations there. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're excited. Um, Yes. Yeah. Um, what, what is it like for both of you kind of balancing parenting and training? Uh, it's been great. Um, I think it's going to get a lot harder with number two. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, luckily we've, we've, uh, up until last month we had full-time help live in help. So, um, that definitely made it a lot easier, but you know, honestly it almost reinvigorated our careers when you're racing, you know, We've both been racing professionally for over 15 years. Um, Rini, probably even a little bit longer. Um, so your motivation kind of always, um, I don't want to, it doesn't like completely change, but it, it evolves, right? And, you know, when you're young, you're like, I just want to win races. I want to show everybody I can do this. And then you're like, I want to get sponsor contracts and, you know, I want to make this a career. And then, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got to pay bills, you know? <laughs> so you're like kind of racing <laughs> like that. And like, and then you get to a point, you're like, what, why am I doing this? Like, what's my motivation? And then Izzy comes along and all of a sudden we have this amazing traveling circus that gets to go around the world and share this journey together um, as a family. And it's just been, it was, it's particularly 2018, we had so much fun traveling, um, you know, going to different places and just, enjoying the experience together. And it's, yeah, it just really gave us a bump in our career. So Tim, you know, everyone in triathlon just totally missed out on, on most of the races this year. You know, we've all missed the race experience. You know, we training's great, right? The, the, the daily grind of staying fit is great. Uh, but, but race day is just some, something different that we've all been missing this year. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's great to see at the time we're recording this and at the time this episode's coming out, um, racing is starting to come back, you know, athletes are starting to get, uh, out on course again. And, and you actually just raced, uh, the grand Floridian triathlon and, and had a fun little experience there. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so the PTO, I'm actually the co-president of the PTO, which is a professional triathletes organization. And, uh, you know, we're focused on, you know, using the professional field, elevating that platform and growing yeah. the sport from that, from that larger platform. So, uh, we got great backers, uh, with Mike Moritz of Sequoia Capital. And we got some big events like the PTO Championship in Daytona, $1.1 million prize purse. Uh, the Collins Cup, which unfortunately got postponed, um, but we'll, we'll be doing that in May. Uh, so we've got these great events, but we're like, we need to get our athletes racing, right? Like, yeah, we, we just, we have to do something because, you know, some of these other organizations are having, you know, age group races and not pro races. Uh, so we kind of took it in our own hands and the PTO sponsored some prize purses at, um, events like the, the great Floridian. So I was, I was excited to go out there and race. Unfortunately, I got lost. Um, that's why I did not go Marines when I got out of the Academy because my, <laughs> my land navigation is not great. So, <laughs> so I went off course early, um, and, uh, got a five extra miles of riding in. And perfect yeah yeah just a little extra fitness but it was Ex yeah yeah extra training yeah <laughs> but i can't tell you it was so great just being at a race and the whole community everybody was so excited to be out there and everybody was very respectful of the rules and spacing and things like that and interactions and we you know kind of like me and kona last year i think everyone was just you know full of gratitude for 
having an event to go to. Yeah, absolutely. And so your, your next race is challenge Daytona, uh, mm-hmm. which, which you mentioned, you know, big PTO race. Um, I'm, I'm going to be there. Awesome. Uh, there's definitely going to be some, uh, tried out athletes that, that are racing, uh, the sprint and the half there that weekend. So we'll, we'll be excited to, to come and cheer you on is, uh, what, what's, what's kind of the future for Tim O'Donnell from challenge Daytona forward. What's, what's kind of your 2021 uh goals yeah uh we're gonna kick off the year with a baby so uh <laughs> that'll be the first <laughs> that'll take up the first uh part of the year a different accomplishment but right? a big accomplishment <laughs> yeah so um yeah i think my uh my focus next year is uh just going to be a couple events obviously ironman world championships uh, i've already qualified so um my qualification has been um you know kind of pushed to 2021 and then Challenge Roth. I'm so excited to do Challenge Roth. It's going to be an amazing That's like deal. my bucket list race. Oh, yeah. Rini yeah. did it. I don't know why I didn't. For some reason, I didn't go with her. I, I did did Racine instead. I should have just went and watched. Uh, but she says it's like the best race. Um, so I'm really excited to do that. And then um, the Collins Cup in May as well, which is, if you're not familiar with, uh, with um, golf, um, or if you're familiar with golf, it's like the Ryder Cup. Um, it's Triathlon's version of the Ryder Cup. So. That'll Very be cool. a great event as well. Yeah, well, we'll be excited to, to cheer you on at Challenge Daytona. Um, Tim, where, where can I pick up some sweet uh, Tim and Rennie merch? Yeah, um, head to the timandrennieshow.com. Uh, and yeah, we got our YouTube link up there and we got a, you know our merch lineup. And um, yeah, support the fam. We got to get Izzy to college. We need it. It's a college fund. Perfect. Yeah. See, I, I can rock a hat while you're racing uh, Challenge Daytona, and I can also send Izzy to college all at the same time. Right. Yep. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Win win, right? <laughs> Great set, everyone. Let's cool down. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today with TO. And so to kind of cool down from our main set conversation, we have 10 quick, kind of rapid fire questions that Elizabeth and I will be shooting Tim's way. Uh, these are more or less all the interesting try nuggets that we didn't get to in the main set, uh, but have to hit before we shut down this episode. So, Tim, are you ready and willing to answer some super random questions about yourself? I am. I am ready. I may plead the fifth. That's perfectly <laughs> acceptable. We'll allow it. Uh, Elizabeth, you want to kick us off with number one? Yes, let's do this. Um, what is your favorite thing to eat after finishing an Ironman? Uh, if it's Kona, lava flows, uh, normally milkshakes. I can get on board with that. That's like my go-to <laughs> ice cream. Of all of the fast and sleek Trek bikes that you have raced on so far in your career, which paint scheme has been your favorite? My 2016 American flag bike. Mm. It's awesome. Yep. What is an Ironman or 70.3 event that you've always wanted to race, but haven't gotten to yet? I know you just had mentioned challenge Roth. Any other big ones that you've always wanted to do? Uh, I would love to do Ironman Austria and um, South Africa. Which UCAN product is your go-to fuel before a workout? Chocolate bar. I was about to say, and why is it the almond butter bar that we talked about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which band or singer appears the most on your workout playlist? Oh, um, Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl. Mm. Nice. I like it, Tim. If I could meet one dude, that would be, it would be that guy. <laughs> uh, what is a lesson you learned from your time as a naval officer that you apply to your tri training today? Yeah, I, I think uh, discipline and, and structure and accountability too. When you go off course, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite course on the pro triathlon circuit? Kona. Kona? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And St. Croix for halves. For a triathlete looking to take on their very first Ironman, what is your top Ironman race day tip? 
patience. Um, yep. I mean, I think it's a long day. Um, so be patient and fuel properly. <laughs> <laughs> if professional triathlon hadn't worked out so well, what profession might have you entered after graduating from the Naval Academy? Um, I think I would have went on to business school. I was actually looking at MBA programs. <laughs> many, many, many lifetimes ago for Tim O'Donnell, you're yep. looking, looking in the MBA programs. So. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know I'd be 40 and still doing this, this silly thing. <laughs> <laughs> And last but not least, uh, how would you feel if Izzy grew up to become a professional triathlete? Um, I would be okay with it, but I'm going to definitely teach her how to golf. Ah. <laughs> well, that's it for today, folks. I want to thank pro triathletes Tim O'Donnell and Elizabeth James for coming on, talking triathlon, and celebrating one year of the TriDot Podcast. Shout out to UCAN for partnering with us on today's episode. Head to UCAN.com to stock up on all the super starch powered products you need to fuel your training and racing our friends at you can have a new you can intro bundle and it's the perfect way to try a variety of their products and flavors and it's just a great deal too to be honest um, at 15 percent off uh, look at the show notes for that link or go to the you can website and find that bundle uh, if you are already a you can fan don't forget to use your code tridot for 15 percent off anything anytime at youcan.com Enjoying the podcast? Have any triathlon questions or topics you want to hear us talk about? Head to tridot.com slash podcast and click on submit feedback to let us know what you're thinking. We'll have a new show coming your way soon. Until then, happy training. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew. For more great tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your training? Head to TriDot.com and start your free trial today. TriDot, the obvious and automatic choice for triathlon training.